Welcome to Coffee with Kojo, a podcast produced by the School of Communication and Journalism at South Dakota State University. My name is Rocky Daly, and I'm an associate professor in the school. Our latest episode features someone whose voice you should be familiar with, McCade Iverson. McCade has been hosting Coffee with Kojo since it began over a year ago, and he's wrapping up his graduate work this semester, with Jonathan Gouger taking over hosting duties. Jonathan and McCade recently spoke about the podcast and McCade's future plans. Welcome back to Coffee with Kojo. And if you're new, please stay a while. It's nice to have you. I am your dapper host, John Gouger, and I'm here with a familiar voice to our keen listeners to previous Coffee with Kojo episodes. He is the one and only McCade Iverson. McCade, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Your introduction is so upbeat and makes me so excited. It's a little different than mine. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times I practice that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would practice it in the car. I would practice it going to Walmart. Uh, people would, would probably think, wow, this guy's talking himself. He must be <laughs> off the uh, off the goop, as the young kids would say. Yeah, well, you got it down, so it was all worth it. <laughs> I appreciate it. So as a former host of Coffee with Kojo, what was your favorite episode? Oh, man, that's hard to say. Um, I did. I don't know. I Honestly, I think I might have to say Betty Nelson just because – I mean, it's Betty. <laughs> I mean, everybody knows Betty. Everybody loves Betty. She's so easy to talk to. She always has the most interesting stories. So I, I think I'd have to say Betty. She was, she was a lot of fun. It was super easy doing that episode. They were all, they were all fun, but, but I mean, like I said, it's Betty. So the thing is, Betty is such a sweetheart. Oh yes, she is. She's just your your Midwestern mother, mm-hmm. you know. And when you talk to her, you're like, wow. I feel all warm inside. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> I know. I know. And that, honestly, that's been one of the things that I hear most from, you know, other students and other grad students is that with COVID being a thing and not being able to hang out in the den mm-hmm. and, you know, Betty can't make her popcorn. It's just, uh, it's it's a whole thing and people, people miss their Betty. Oh, I know. It's depressing. It is. Like, especially when I'm a junior, I spend most of my time here now. Mm-hmm. It would be nice going to a place where, like, I get to, like, communicate with people, talk to people, and work. But now I kind of have to seek refuge in a lonesome classroom. Yeah, yeah. It's it's not quite the same experience, but hopefully next year. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the things you learned being on Coffee with Kojo? Oh, man. Well, to be honest, g- coming into it, I didn't know that this was going to be a thing for me. <laughs> I had no idea that this would be happening, but... When it first started, I was working with another grad student who doesn't live in the state anymore, but she's still in the program. And so I just, I learned how to work with other people in a completely different setting that I've never been in before. So that was one thing. And then just kind of like working with, really just working with people in general, which again, obviously I've worked with people before, but never in this setting. So just working with people by interviewing them, you know, you have to really kind of prepare beforehand and learn things about them before you interview them to learn about them. If, if that makes sense, <laughs> like I'm asking questions for everybody to get to know this person that I'm interviewing, but at the same time, I still have to know enough about them prior to asking them those questions. If that makes sense. Oh, definitely. It's, Oh, sorry. Ugh. 
Burt. It happens. I mean, I'm in, I'm drinking pop or soda, as Minnesotans would say. Yeah. And that tends to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I no. Yeah. I understand. No, it's definitely. It's weird. It's a weird kind of setup for a conversation, because it's not very natural. Like right now, <laughs> we are a wall apart. Mm-hmm. I see you through a window yes. and your face is covered by a tv yeah. monitor <laughs> yes it's yeah very covid friendly yeah and conversations don't start with okay i'm gonna record now right right it's it's definitely weird and it's definitely kind of a transition to uh overcome yeah well and that's the thing is because you know these most of the people that i interviewed were faculty members so typically when i'm talking to them it's much more casual and you know, we don't have in the back of my our minds that we're being recorded. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's definitely different. Oh, for sure. For sure. But I also, well, it's nice interviewing faculty members just because you had a repertoire with them before. You already know who they are. Yep. And it honestly, just makes it fun having a real conversation with them and not just them lecturing. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing that, you know, I don't know what it is about professors, but they always live the most interesting lives. Like... <laughs> most of the time they're like, oh yeah, I lived in this country for this many years. I've done this. I've done that. It it makes it way easier to come up with questions for them because there's just so much to talk about. Yeah. When I was interviewing Heather, I seem I'm like, wow, I'm a boring human. <laughs> I know. I know. It, it They really make you feel like that sometimes because they have all these exciting, awesome experiences. Mm-hmm. Like, there's people like she went to Shanghai. Yep. Jim was a part of uh, USA Today. Yep. And I'm like, wow, I'm 21 years old. There's still I, time. I, there is. There is. But I, I feel like in order to be a professor, you have to lead an interesting life. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. it. It's so interesting, like I said, to hear from them and kind of get to know them outside of their, you know, teaching roles because it's not very often that, you know, Heather can just bring up and oh yeah, in Shanghai. I mean, I guess maybe there probably is because I mean, she teaches advertising and there's advertising all over the place. But you know, still. Do you edit your own podcast? Um, I did. Yes. Okay. So, how excruciating was it to hear your own voice? Uh, that was by far the worst part. I don't know how you knew that, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but yeah, that was by far the worst part. I've always hated the sound of my voice being recorded and. It, after I don't know how many episodes, the hate is still there. <laughs> oh my lord! Well, you get used to it. the The first episode I had with Heather, it was like an audio assault on my ears. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of see people say a lot of likes and ums. Yeah. Especially you really are keen on it on your own voice. And let me tell you this: I say like more times than a middle school girl. Oh no! <laughs> and I had all I- those out. <laughs> You know what? I am a a very big um offender. I am always using um. I feel like I just feel so much pressure to always be saying something that I just find myself replacing silence with um, which, I mean, that's got to be. I would write it. People probably would rather just hear silence than um over and over again. But whatever. Definitely, but you're not that bad. I, I well, your podcast. You're not that bad. Well. I had to edit them all out. <laughs> so. I edit some of your podcasts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. So it's not terrible. A lot of people do it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely easier said than done to correct yourself. And I've heard tips on, you know, 
correcting that, getting yourself to correct it. And I just need to start executing those tips and seeing if they work. It's odd because why people say, um, like, why those words? Or yeah. no? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I don't know if people are like me where it's just they feel like they need to fill in that silence with something. And I don't know. But that's that's why I do it, I think. Oh, yeah. And it's a constant pressure with it, too. And it's just learning just to slow down. Mm-hmm. Slow down. And I think I really like these podcasts just because it makes you into a better speaker. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, because that's literally all you're doing. <laughs> and it's in much more relaxed environment. You know, Coffee with Kojo has never been very serious. It's always been very kind of like, oh, whatever happens with the conversation happens. And, um, oh, see, I, there I go. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, just kind of getting to just talk. I mean, yeah, it just makes you better at talking in general and, just talking to people oh yeah yeah but i also heard down the uh the rumor mill that you accepted a job from lawrence and schiller i did yes um i've been interviewing there for a while and so starting in may after i graduate i will be a digital coordinator with them so it's a digital coordinator so the digital team they are basically the people who execute a lot of the creative work onto social media or um, email campaigns, new websites. Those are the three biggest things that the digital team works on. So kind of just putting websites together, like I mentioned, getting emails built out and sent, social media, social media analytics, all that fun stuff. So so is it, are you more excited about your job or is there like a sense of anxiety? Like, oh, I'm going out in the real world. Um, this is like my first office job. How are you feeling right now? Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I would be a lot more nervous if I hadn't been interning there. I was fortunate enough to start interning there in October. So I've been there. How long has is that now? Six-ish months. So working there for six months, it's really given me a chance to get to know not only the digital team, but kind of just the whole building in general. So I have a good feel for how everything works there. And yeah, I mean, there's still that anxiety of entering the real world in general, but luckily my my job is not causing a lot of anxiety, no. So what you're telling me is you worked at a high grade ad agency while still being in grad school. How do you manage that time? <laughs> I wish I could tell you that I had some time management, like down pack, good to go, but I really don't. I'm horrible with time management, but I'm still managing to make it work. I just, I really like to focus my time on whatever is in front of me at that moment. Um, so when I'm at Lawrence and Schiller, I'm, it's full on, everything's Lawrence and Schiller. When I'm in the classroom, I'm everything's focused on the classroom. I really, I'm one of those people I have to do one thing at a time. And I'm good about, um, you know, changing my focus from one project to the other. But once I'm on that said project, that's where I have to put all my time, or not all my time, but all my focus on so that I can utilize that time to the fullest. Because, I mean, when I'm outside of Lawrence and Schiller or class, that kind of limits my time, obviously, so I really have to u- utilize it when I can. I mean, you're not a robot. 
everyone <laughs> wants to be lazy. Mm-hmm. You can't multitask. A lot of people say, oh, we're the generation of multitasking. It's what we do. They're dumb, first <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I definitely, yeah, self-care, my self-care is definitely being lazy. I just want to lay on the couch, watch some TV. That is definitely my self-care. And I think that's kind of also what motivates me to kind of utilize those projects while I'm do or utilize my time during those projects is that like, okay, if I get this done, I can be lazy for a little while and kind of not have to worry about anything. So I can't. Just lounge around. That's just the best feeling. It is. It is. I feel like once I'm done with school in less than a month now, I'm not going to know what to do with myself <laughs> half the time. So, yeah, but it's earned. Yeah, yeah. It'll 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 be nice, but it'll also be weird at the same time. Yeah, but you can do more things though. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can learn how to knit. Or yeah, play yeah. Drums. Yeah, I I I definitely feel like I'll find something to take up my time it'll just be weird that it won't be like oh i have this project due in three days and you know it'll be like oh i feel like doing this right now so i'll do it now you know man those tight deadlines are at least for me they give me the worst anxiety yeah yeah well i also get like that especially when you know, being a master's student, we have either our research project or a thesis so that we know about, you know, as soon as we enter the program. So I've known about this project that I've been working on since the fall of 2019, and I'm getting it wrapped up this week. And that alone is just giving me so much anxiety because it's it's just about good to go and putting the final touches on it. But it's just the fact that it's been around for almost two years that you know, finally hitting that submit button is is just going to give me so so much relief, but also so much anxiety. So fingers crossed that goes well and deadlines are met. Do you care to explain more about this project that you've been working on? Yeah, mine specifically is for the department for Kojo. I've been working on a strategic communication plan, which kind of has gone along in my assistantship um, anyway. So it worked out really well for me and the school. Outside of doing coffee with Kojo, I've been working on the school's social media and the website. So a lot of those things get incorporated into a strategic communication plan. So it worked out well in my case. I don't understand how you can even fit anything in your plate at this point. <laughs> well, it, it's it's been a lot. But I, I did tell myself when I went into going back to Lawrence and Schiller, when I went into working at Lawrence and Schiller, I told myself that it was going to be a lot of work but that it would hopefully be worth it. And so now that I've gotten offered full-time there, it it ended up being worth it. So I can't complain. I mean, it's also not like a a dreadful job. Oh, no, not at all. I I never dread going into class or into the office or into Lawrence and Schiller or anywhere. I it's not dreadful at all. It it's mostly like you mentioned the time management like and making sure that you have time to be lazy or be with your friends or your family or whatever. So what made you decide to go on this career path? I did not know that I wanted to do marketing things until probably two or three years into my undergrad. I came into undergrad undecided and then I declared early childhood education as my major. And about two weeks into being in that program, I decided that it was not for me. I have nothing but respect for teachers. I think they deserve the world, but it just wasn't my thing. 
But at that point, I had already been working at the University of Marketing Communications office here on campus, and I kind of got placed there just randomly through being a student technology fellow. And I ended up really liking what I did there. I did a lot of similar things there, mostly website stuff. So that's kind of where I learned that skill. And I kind of just decided, like, that's what I liked, and I didn't really want to do anything else, so I kind of just kept going with it. Huh. You know, it's very odd because you and I had, like, a similar path. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I was HDFS for the first year. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I went into one ad club meeting, and then I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. Yeah. It, yeah. It's I, – I, I don't want to say, like, fell into my lab, but in a way it kind of it kind of did, you know? And it sounds like you really took that opportunity, which – I would encourage any student to do. I was not that student to take advantage of going into random club meetings, but trust me, they will welcome you with open arms and try it out just like you did, John. It obviously worked out for you. So, Also, if you want to go to Ad Club, it is every Tuesday, and yours truly is the officer. So, <laughs> Yes, nice little plug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The thing is, like, I think people – think that oh if i choose this major i'm gonna do this for the rest of my life uh but it's not that you can't put yourself in a box like that yeah absolutely and i mean people like change career paths all the time you know just because you graduate with one major doesn't mean that you have to stick with that you know specific career for your entire life i mean a lot of a lot of things can change so Exactly. It's just a great misconception, if Mm -hmm. I can pronounce correctly. (laughs) But it's a great misconception, and humans aren't meant to do something for their entire life, the same thing for their entire life. The average person changes their career four times. It's just getting a degree, it, it gives your employer like a vote of confidence, like, okay, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. Having a degree definitely opens a lot of doors, but it does, and it obviously doesn't limit the doors that you open. Because my undergrad degree was actually in entrepreneurial studies, which is still very, you know, applicable when we're talking marketing stuff. Because you really have to be innovative, creative, on your feet, and ready to go in a lot of different situations that you're not necessarily expecting. So a lot of different degrees can intertwine and be put towards a lot of different, you know, career paths. So what made you decide to go into grad school? Are you a masochist or do you just really like the, uh, the subject? I, I wanted to get my hands on more in-depth communication and media courses and really be able to build a portfolio and uh, – I knew that SDSU had the opportunity to do that with the communication media studies program. So that's what made me choose both the master's program and the master's program at SDSU is that I'd be able to tailor my courses to things that I was interested in and so that I could build a strong portfolio for myself. What do you do as a hobby then? Oh, no, I was worried that you were going to ask me this. Oh, I never, I never know what to say. What do you mean? Um, what to say? I because I feel like I don't. I feel like I don't do anything when when I'm asked my hobbies. Um, I like to cook. I like to hang out with my friends, and I know those are both so like you know mundane and no duh. But 
that's really what I do. I mean, me and my friends hang out. We'll play games. I like to go for drives, road trips. So. Okay. Don't take any offense to this. Oh, no. But do you play D&D? I don't know what that is. Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Okay. Well, I'm going to out myself right now. Okay. <laughs> I used to play it. I used to play it more often than now, but. I took you as someone that would play D&D. Oh, no. As a player of D&D. Sure. Yeah, no. No offense to that at all. Um, I guess I do. I'm not really a gamer, but if the opportunity presents itself, I will play Mario Kart. And that's probably about it. What Mario Kart are we talking about? Mario Kart Wii? Oh, I don't know. Maybe well, I don't know. I, are there different ones? Yeah, there's the one with uh, the Wii Remote. There's the one with... Oh, well, I mean... I suppose I have a Nintendo 64 laying around somewhere that I break out every now and then and play play on that. Otherwise, my, a couple of my friends have um, those Nintendo Stitches. Um, so we played on that before. We used to have we used to have a Wii, so we had it on Wii. One of my friends still has a Wii, so we break that out every once in a while and play Mario Kart. So yeah, really, I guess Mario Kart, can that be a hobby? Just Mario Kart? I mean, there's professional Mar- Mario Karters. Is there? Yeah. It's oh, wow. Square. Okay. Okay, yeah. We I actually just gave a lecture on digital gaming last week in um, MCOM 151, and I talked about esports, but I didn't realize that Mario Kart was on there. It's, um, there's esports for everything. Okay. I know for Fortnite, there was a kid that made, don't quote me on this, but I think he made like $7 million in one tournament. Oh my God. In a tournament? In one tournament. Wow. You can get a lot of money from it. Yeah. Well, I know there are some people who, um, they're like big YouTubers who play games and make millions of dollars just off people watching them play games. So I, I believe it. I'm one of those people. I know I'm not, I'm not a YouTuber, yeah. <laughs> but I watch you're, people. You're not making the millions of dollars off of playing video games? No, I tried. Some, I mean, like I said, it's not too late. It is too late. Well. I mean, it's not something I do it for money. It is yeah, something it, I always want to do. Sure, sure. You know, I grew up watching YouTubers yeah. play video games. Yeah. And it sounds stupid saying it, but I enjoy it. It's just watching, like, it's basically just watching a comedian. Yeah, well, I think that's the, I think that is what makes people watch is the commentary. Because, I mean, otherwise, I mean, maybe it would still be appealing, but to me, it's the commentary that would make it watchable. Oh, for sure. It's the personality that draws people to their YouTube channel. It's just the game is something visual to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, I, I, I don't watch them myself, but I have seen videos that um, people have shown me. And, yeah, some of these people, they really, you know, let themselves out there with these video games. So, In what way? Just, like, um, oh, what's his name? Like, PewDiePie or something? Is that a, oh, a person who plays video games? Yeah. He, he's just, he's got a very flamboyant personality. So, I mean, I, I can see why people think he's entertaining. So. But, I mean, it's they're playing a character. I mean, it's themselves, but it's like an over-exaggeration mm-hmm. of themselves. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's probably like if you talk to them one-on-one, like same <laughs> with like probably Joe Rogan. Is- yeah, it, they're probably not quite the same as they as they seem in their video or their podcast or whatever, yeah. No, and it's just a character. It's what people are drawn to that type of character, mm-hmm. and they play up to it. Mm-hmm. 
I guess you hang out with friends. Like, what are things you do with your friends? I'm going to sound like such a loser, but we literally just sit and hang out <laughs> and, like, watch TV or something. We're pretty... It's a bro thing to do. Yeah, I mean, we don't usually do anything too exciting. I mean, I guess I could say that about the last year. Usually, a lot of times, we go on road trips. Our friends at this point, our friend group kind of lives all over the place. We've got some friends in up in the cities. We've got some friends out in the hills area. So, not too terribly long ago, I went and visited some friends out in in the Rapid City area. So, we were we were able to go for a hike, try out some new restaurants, just things like that. Or like we have friends in the cities, so if we go to the cities, we'll maybe go downtown and drive around a bit. So, I guess that's one thing that kind of keeps me keeps me keeps me busy for the most part. And hopefully, now that COVID is kind of sort of dwindling down, said lightly things can kind of get back to normal and we can do some more of those little road trips. Now you can be um, the true person on Tinder that just says, I love to travel on my bio. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I I have nothing against those people, but I, I won't be one of those people. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, I mean, good for them for putting themselves out there. Yeah. But I don't think traveling is like a personality trait. Yeah, no. And I mean, I, I'm really not that traveled to begin with. I've never been out of the country. I would like to go out of the country someday, but at this point I haven't been. But I've been I've been to plenty of places in the United States on vacations or trips or, you know, whatever. So, but yeah, I, I will never, I don't think I'll ever call myself a, a traveler. A traveler? I mean, you, there's always time. Oh, yeah, that, that's true. There's always time. I don't know. You could be a drifter, hop in a van, and yeah. just, you know, just explore the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually talked to a homeless guy two years ago, and that's what he does. He just, Really? Yeah. He sleeps on park benches, and if he's sick of the place, he'll just truck stop, and he'll ride with a trucker, and then he just pops off somewhere. Okay, interesting. That remind, reminds me of some TikToks that I've watched where – People kind of, they literally live in their van or truck or whatever, and they just drive around the country, pick up little end jobs here and there, and that's just how they live. But it always leaves me with a lot of, like, see, this is the this is the real-world adult coming out in me because I think about, like, the logistics. Like, how do you get your bills? How do you, like, where do they send you everything? I don't I don't know. That's... I don't know exactly how those people do it, but it, it sounds interesting and it works for them. So I mean, it'd be electronically. True, yeah. If you have your phone on you, you're fine. I suppose that, yeah, I suppose that is true. But I'm, I'm thinking about just going with a flip phone at this point. I'm too addicted to my phone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just scrolling through Instagram and I scroll through Reddit and YouTube. Mm-hmm. A couple of minutes turn into like three hours. And oh, I'm like, I have a problem. Yeah, easily, easily. Well, I didn't even download TikTok until um, probably early April last year when we were a couple of weeks into the pandemic. I finally cracked and got TikTok. And yeah, I just found myself laying in my bed, scrolling through TikToks. And all of a sudden it was three, four hours later. And I'm like, oh my God. And I didn't have a roommate at the time, so that didn't help matters either with just kind of having to keep myself busy. Oh, man. That's the one reason why I won't get TikTok. 
Yeah, I if you don't want to waste your time, I would advise you not to. Yeah, and let me tell you this. I am a professional time waster. Yeah. <laughs> I know, that's the thing. Is like, But, I mean, I, I like wasting time sometimes, like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, self-care, getting to be lazy. I mean, I think that's okay every once in a while. Not every day like I was doing for about a week or two when I first got TikTok. <laughs> but, but, I mean... Desperate times call for desperate measures, and I think early April 2020 was kind of a desperate time. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Well, did you do anything, like, during the pandemic, or you just stayed at home? Um, Yeah, I stayed at home. Me and some friends would go for, um, or me and a friend would go for some socially distanced walks where we would walk, and even that kind of got a little difficult because that's what everybody was doing. (laughs) So you couldn't like, you had to like cross a street at a random point or, you know, do whatever. So, but otherwise I would kind of go for drives, try some new shows out. I couldn't even tell you what I watched. I can't even remember now, but, but yeah, just like little things here and there tried to be as active as I could, but I mean, that was obviously kind of difficult, but yeah, nothing, nothing too exciting during the, the peak of COVID. What gives me comfort during that time? I was like, no one's doing anything interesting. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is if you ever experience fear of missing out, that was the time where you never had to worry about that because nobody was doing anything. Exactly. Oh, another burp. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. I don't drink pop often. Sure. The reason why I got it was because there was no water bottle. Oh, no. So... I just got Dr. Pepper, and I can taste the 23 flavors. <laughs> well, good. So, well, there's good advertising then. I, I am an advertising major. So. Yeah, good. <laughs> it so, it, It's a, a thing I have to let out every time. <laughs> the thing about being an advertising major, you have to say an advertisement every 30, second, every 30 minutes, not yeah, every 30 it, seconds. It's a requirement. <laughs> it is. It's, it's part of a grade. Yeah. <laughs> It seems like every single person – we're kind of the same generation, right? I think so-ish. Yeah, well, Zoomers. I, I think you're like a borderline between millennial and Zoomer. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we're, I'll say we're the same generation for <laughs> conversation's sake. Sure, yeah. I, I, it feels like every single person within this generation kind of had like a an angsty phase or like a emo phase, if I'm allowed to say that. Uh, did you ever have that type of phase? Oh man, what? I don't, I don't think so. What, what do you mean by that? Uh, like you listen to My Chemical Romance, like yeah, oh. I'm not gonna be a cog in the machine. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I listen to um Evanescence if that counts. I mean, what did they have like two or three songs or something? They, do you, do you remember them? Um, one of them is "Don't Call Me When I'm Sober." Okay, yep. And the other one is. It's wake me up, wake yeah, me up. Yeah, what? Inside. What it? I think it's called wake me up. Is it? I I don't even remember. It's been so, it's been so long at this point. But although I, that was probably it. Yeah, not <laughs> not really a big phase, I guess. But yeah, I mean that's I probably it's about Evanescence. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, probably a really boring answer. So I apologize for boring? that. But yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not gonna be like this guy needs to be. He needs to say this, this, this. It's, yeah. I mean, this podcast is about you, so. Yeah. Uh, hey, do you know what? Kudos to you for saying that you listen to Evanescence because a lot of people are willing to shy away from that. Yeah. I mean, the 
I still think they're good songs. I haven't heard them in a long time, but I think I might go play them on my commute home in a little while. So, Do you know what? I am tired of people saying, oh, Evanescence is bad. Nickelback is bad. Do you know what? They're okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I can't say that I'll listen to Nickelback on my commute home, but more power too if you like Nickelback. I know people who like Nickelback, and that's okay. We're still friends. So It seems like there is some type of crusade of anti-Nickelback and Evanescence yeah. mob. I, I, I have one friend in particular that I can think of, and he is always saying that he – he like he genuinely likes Nickelback and he is convinced that the only reason people don't like Nickelback is because it's it's a meme and it's what you're supposed to do. So I mean, I can't really agree or disagree with him, I guess, because my feelings towards Nickelback are pretty like non existent. <laughs> I guess. Like I I don't listen to Nickelback willingly, but I also am not gonna like run out of the room if it starts playing or anything so it's quite the hypothesis and i kind of agree with them honestly yeah i mean it's it doesn't seem that far-fetched because i haven't heard anything about nickelback hate or smash mouth hate or evanescence hate until it started becoming a meme yeah yeah and at this point it's been a while so i mean the the nickelback memes are not new so Mm-mm. they're not like the uh, look at this graph meme. Yep. Have you seen that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, I, I don't know. Or maybe they're just a meme because they're bad. Like, they're yeah. both <laughs> bad. Yeah. I don't know. But you know what? They put out some bangers. <laughs> yeah, I won't argue with it. Okay, so you have to remind me who Smash Mouth is, though. Is that – this might be a really stupid question. I'm probably so wrong. But is that who sings the, like, the Shrek song? Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay. Okay. So I, I was – okay. I'm thinking of the right people then. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty tacky. They're pretty yeah. <laughs> mid-2000s. Yeah, oh, but I I don't know um, if you knew this, but I have a thing for the 2000s. I love the 2000s. I don't know why. I just think it was a great era for TV, for music. So I don't have a, really too much against that. I guess what TV or, like, music do you listen to? The mid- um, Really anything. A lot of pop from 2000s was really good, I think. Um TV wise, a lot of reality shows were good, I thought. MTV had some good ones. The Real World, that was one of the things that I watched. Yeah, just a lot of reality TV. Honestly, that I probably shouldn't have been watching in the 2000s, but you know, I got away with it. So, you know, I was, I watched MTV as well, but it was kind of like later. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was when it was still not a copy of BuzzFeed. Oh, sure. Okay. But it was like uh, they had Rob Deerdeck, uh, Robin Big. Oh, yep. Yep. Uh, I think there was one show called Disaster Date. And I was like. It sounds familiar, but I can't think of. They had so many of those dating shows. And it's funny because we I was actually at one of my friend's house, the one who has the Wii. And we found some old dating shows from MTV on YouTube. <laughs> And so we watched them, and we were like, oh, my gosh, how did we ever believe that this was real? Because it's so – they're so cringy, and it's so obviously scripted. <laughs> and the the people in them are so bad at acting that it, it's just so funny to watch now. And it's so trashy, too. Uh, it, it is. It's really not – again, I should not have been watching these shows, but 
I, I think I turned out okay, so. Actually, I, I think people should watch those shows when they are younger because, mm-hmm. hey, don't be like that person. Yeah, that, yeah it, it is a good lesson of what not to be, yeah. Circling back over to listening to like mid 2000s, sorry, 2000s music, that's actually becoming more and more of a trend. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to see like a lot of people are kind of circling back to like the early 2000s music. Nelly from Dilemma, like the old rap songs and just pop mm-hmm. songs as well. It's kind of an interesting phenomenon. Oh, yeah. And I've I've heard a statistic. I have absolutely no idea how credible it is, but it's something like when you, at a certain age of your life, whatever music you listen to at that point, those will be your favorite songs forever. Mm-hmm. And I think, I want to say it's like your mid-teens um, into your early 20s or so. I mean, I was just a little kid in the 2000s, but I still think in my case, the so- songs from the 2000s will always be some of my favorite. Well, because you're growing up as a your own human being, your own person. Mm-hmm. That Yeah, that is like, true. And also, a lot of people look back at those times, like simpler times, because all you had to mm-hmm. worry about was homework, video games, and that girl you liked. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. They're, like you said, simpler times, not a care in the world. Just enjoyed some 2000s jams. Oh, for sure. And also just... It's all just music influences you as a way. Mm-hmm. Like, when I listen to Come to Me by, I think it's the Goo Goo Dolls. I'm not sure. Uh, it brings me back to that time. It's like a uh, like a recalling device mm-hmm. where I'm transported back to that memory. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it, it totally makes sense because it's kind of like, like my parents. My parents and my friend's parents, they all like... Um, music from, you know, the 70s, 80s, 90s. So the theory holds up. I got to ask, are you uh, the type of person that seeks out new music or do you listen to the same songs over and over again? To get um, I, I don't seek out new music, but I do enjoy new music. If it, like I, I listen to just the classic radio a lot. I like to listen to it in the morning and that's kind of where I get most of my new music from. And then from there, I'll kind of go and listen to it on, you know, Spotify or whatever. So you use the radio. That's actually the perfect, like, thing to do. It is. And, but it takes me a lot longer to find new music than it does for my friends. Because then we'll I'll be hanging out with my friends, and they'll play music. And I'm like, oh, this is a good song. Like, what is this? And they're like, this has been out for, like, a month. And I had I don't hear it usually until I it happens to play on the radio when I'm in the car. Oh, like, so. this, the thing happens with me is I go through phases. Yeah. So I'll be in a disco phase for one week, and then now I'm in a pulp, pulp, pop folk <laughs> phase for another week. Okay. And it's kind of just this hodgepodge of different music, and then I go through just listening to John Mayer's entire discography, and I'm very... ADHD about my music choices. <laughs> yeah. And I just over listen to them. Yeah. Yeah, I I think we're kind of similar in that way because I go in these phases where I'll listen to the same song over and over and over again for like two weeks. And then finally I'll get sick of it and then I'll find a either a new song or I'll go back to one of my classics and kind of just listen to it over and over and over again. It's the way to listen to music. I feel like everyone does that. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you're not hurting anybody, so who cares? Exactly. 
Exactly. I appreciate it. Anyways, so it's been nice having you, McCade. Yeah, thank you for having me on. This It's fun being on the other side. Oh, for sure. So, it's been a fun podcast. You've been yeah, a good guest. Thank you. Remember, this podcast is sponsored by the like and share button. So please use those appropriately. Thank you. Our last episode of the semester will be available on May 7th. This podcast is a property of the School of Communication and Journalism at South Dakota State University, which reserves all rights to its use. Music by Cody M. Johnson and Tyler Addison James is licensed through AMP Music.